It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. A couple of years ago, an entrepreneur named Jace Wilson was trying to raise money for his finance startup called Neighborly. Jace is from a small town in Missouri, and he started looking for local investors in Kansas City. I love Kansas City with all my heart and tried for two and a half years to really make something work there. But he just couldn't get the help he needed. He met with about 25 investors, and they all told him no. It was heartbreaking, you know, because it was we took it as we're just stupid. We're failures, you know, like we can't do this. It took coming to California to find somebody who believed in the company. I don't think of him as a as a movie star. Movie star. I know that's where he's got to start, but you know he's a very savvy uh, business person. So I wasn't surprised by him getting it like that. That investor he's talking about, it's Ashton Kutcher. Yes, the Ashton Kutcher. For Jace, it turned out to be easier to get money from a world famous movie star and an investor in startups like Uber and Airbnb than from investors back home. After all the rejections he faced in Missouri, Jace came out to California in 2014 to enroll in a startup accelerator, kind of like a boot camp for founders to help them build their businesses. The program's called 500 Startups, and it gave him some credibility in Silicon Valley, but not back in Kansas City. I think it was also people in Kansas City were looking at the DNA of the company and saying, you're not a finance guy. You know, they were expecting somebody to show up in a three-piece suit and to, you know, sort of pattern pattern match with what they know from the world of online banking. Working more and more out of California, Jace realized that he was tapping into some key advantages in the Bay Area. So after closing a $5.5 million funding round that included a check from Ashton, Jace decided to stay out west, abandoning his dream of building his company in the show-me state. Hi, I'm Brad Stone. And I'm Sarah McBride. And this week on Decrypted, we'll explore one of the technology industry's biggest contradictions. A lot of effort has gone into cultivating entrepreneurs outside Silicon Valley. But building a startup someplace else can be really tough. This isn't just in Kansas City, and the experience isn't unique to Jace. It's something familiar to founders in lots of smaller cities all across America. And it's not for lack of smart people or big ideas. Often the problem comes down to how much harder it can be to get capital when you're away from big venture centers. Think about this. Last year, venture capitalists invested $69 billion in startup companies. That's billion with a B. 
But almost all of it, 75%, went to startups in California, Massachusetts, and New York. If you're a startup and you're not in any one of those places, good luck. And Kansas City even got what it thought would be a huge advantage. Six years ago, Alphabet, the company we used to call Google, said it would kick off a massive initiative in Kansas City. Right. At the time, Google wanted to blanket the country with super fast, super cheap fiber internet, starting with Kansas City. People from the mayor on down thought that would do a lot for the city, and in particular, that it would jumpstart small technology companies. Think of education, think of entertainment, think of e-commerce, think of attracting developers, and not only that, but it just drives the economy around you. So for Kansas City, it's fantastic. That's a Google executive, Milo Madden talking in a video presentation during the announcement that Google Fiber was coming to Kansas City. Over a thousand cities had competed to be the first to get it, and Kansas City won. But not everything turned out like he said. Google gave about 100 schools in Kansas City free fiber, and in some ways, Kansas City's doing great in education. About 43% of the population has at least an associate's degree. That's way ahead of other cities in size, like Las Vegas and Cleveland. But its economy is growing slower than the rest of the country. Things could be turning based on some government economic data for last year, but in 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015, Kansas City grew slower than the rest of America. Also, a smaller percentage of the population works for startups. Mayor Mark Holland of Kansas City, Kansas, said evaluating specific benefits of Google Fiber is tough. One of the things that's hard to measure is without this, would we have done worse? He points to lots of ways the city's done well over the long term, like overall job growth. I do think Google has had an impact on that, but I don't know if I'm if I would be the right person to parse out what percentage that represents. When it comes to startups, it's not like there's no money to spend on them all around America. There's a ton, in theory. In Kansas City, where Jace is, some people are incredibly well-off, building big-name art museums and hospitals. They also build huge companies like Sprint and Hallmark. Driving around there, I saw that. It's a pretty city, it's green, you pass landmarks all the time performance halls and sports arenas, galleries, lots of corporate headquarters. You can tell people care about the place. The disconnect seems to be young companies. Entrepreneurs say it's really, really hard to get investors interested in companies that don't have physical assets or are going to take a long time to get any revenue. And yet, Jace's company is all about real stuff. He helps people build things like parks and roads in their hometowns, His idea is to make bonds for local public projects much easier for everyday people to invest in, to give something a little boring, a little zing. Make bonds sexy again, right? (laughs) That's the top piece of advice Jace says he got from Ashton Kutcher. It's even up on a poster right when you walk into Neighborly's office in San Francisco. Let's hear that one more time. Make bonds sexy again, right? Which is is a a crazy, silly phrase, right? But it's also, if you think about it, you know, when we want to bring people back to the the habit of investing in a community, it has to be fun and rewarding and sexy, right? It can't just be, uh, you know, based on the 
plain math. It has to be, you know, something that they value beyond just the investment because municipal bonds are such a, a funky kind of, you know, asset class at this point that, you know, it, it really needs to be about the story of investing in your community. Jace was telling me all this from his office, just off Union Square in San Francisco. It's a big shopping district, but also home to a lot of banks and cool old cast iron buildings. Neighborly's in one of those, and it's old school. No lobby, you just get buzzed in from the street and ride the elevator up. They have the whole sixth floor, but it's not actually so big. One of those narrow railroad-style buildings. High ceilings, exposed bricks, typical startup. When you get off the elevator, you see rows of old bond certificates hanging in front of you. It's actually a California version of their office in Kansas City. They still keep a foothold there. Yeah, we've got an event space and then our office that's open, big windows, lots of plants and fun things. Uh, That's Chris Parrott showing me around Neighborly's office in Kansas City. He's one of Jace's co-founders. We've got a call in a couple minutes, so I want to make sure we're... And that's the other co-founder, Patrick Hosty. He's the compliance officer. Chris is the numbers guy. Super nice space, frankly, I I think, um, for a very reasonable price, um, especially when compared to the coast or other larger cities. Uh, Uh, That's what I heard from a lot of startups in Kansas City, how little it costs to do business there. But I got the sense that could almost be a bad thing. Perhaps part of the reason so many startups succeed in Silicon Valley is that there's so much pressure, a sense that another company could eat your lunch at any time. One entrepreneur told me about how life in Kansas City was almost too easy. He said it allowed people to dabble in starting companies without really committing. He even had a word for it. I ran it by Jace from Neighborly. Are you familiar with the term entrepreneur? Entrepreneur? Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Somebody told me there are a lot of entrepreneurs in Kansas City. Entrepreneur. Um. Yeah, let's see. Entrepreneur. What can you help me define it? It's like somebody that it's wants someone, to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, or? but they because people aren't as comfortable with the concept of risk. Oh yeah, risk. They do yeah. it on the side, like they. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jay said, in some ways, starting a software business is actually riskier in Kansas City. It gets back to you know in Silicon Valley. If an engineer commits to a, a project, and you know they may you know take lower uh, salary for a year or two and get a larger chunk of equity in something that may or may not work out, um, but if that thing doesn't work out, you know they're not in an unemployment line for six months, or they're not trying to retool their career to figure out how they can remain relevant in the future. They're being sought after by ten other companies at any given time. Let's play devil's advocate here. That situation could really be a plus. It might mean companies that do startup in the heartland have less turnover and can really focus. Yeah. While I was in Kansas City, I met an entrepreneur called Mike Farmer, who spent a few years trying to get a search company called Leap off the ground. He explained something he noticed on a visit to Silicon Valley, talking with an Apple executive in a coffee shop near Stanford University. She said, I don't know how you can do this from Kansas City, just sense this energy in this room. And I actually took the complete opposite point of view that, you know, if you're going to build something, it's going to be very unique and it's going to have a completely different point of view. Doing it on a 
an, call it an island or a place like Kansas City, I think you have a, and you can tap in to any of the relevant movements that are happening in in technology uh, and know how to leverage those as need be. But you're able to stay really focused on what you're wanting to build. Mike's company didn't work out, but there's evidence to back him up. Last year, the big Chinese company Alibaba spent $100 million buying a Kansas City startup, iVerify. They scan veins in your eye to figure out if you're who you say you are. And another company, C2FO, has raised $100 million from investors like the big Singapore firm, Tomasic. It's working on some cool financing ideas around working capital. Notice that those companies got major backing from firms outside Kansas City. That's because raising cash away from big venture centers like San Francisco is just too hard. Exactly. Here's Jace talking about trying to raise money a couple years ago. And at that time, it was still, you know, give us your, you know, your pro forma for five years. Um, tell us how you're going to get to profitability in the next year. Uh, it was tell us, you know, what physical assets you're going to buy so that part of our money isn't, you know, is recoverable in the event that this goes under. Problem is, Neighborly was a startup. They didn't have pro forma revenue. That's essentially projected revenue. And their path to profitability is years away. They didn't need any physical assets and didn't plan to buy any. For most investors in Kansas City, that made them a bad bet. Here's Lance LeMay, an investor at Open Air, one of the more established VC firms in Kansas City, talking about startups there. Probably a fair criticism for from some of the, the, the you know the founders or the entrepreneurs to say that they feel like they're being held to a higher standard. They probably are, but that's not just the Kansas City issue. It's probably you know, anywhere. He means anywhere except Silicon Valley. In a place like Silicon Valley, you know, people probably err on the side of taking more risk. Um, at the Series A level because they're because of the fear of missing out. By Series A, he means the first investment round founders raise after they've tapped out friends and family. I, I think the biggest issue that we have here is probably, you know, we don't yet have, um, a, it's a chicken and the egg problem. We don't have a, 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 as many funds investing here that are here and that are investing here as we would like. And that's a function of, you know, having more available startups to invest in and you know, the more successful startups that we have here, the more that'll attract capital and it kind of feeds on itself. But Jace did get around that lack of hometown capital. Right. Jace was something of a mover and shaker in Kansas City. He'd been part of the group that helped convince Google to wire Kansas City for fiber internet. And through that project, he got to know another mover and shaker, Lisa Mitchell. Lisa introduced him to an entrepreneur, Bo Fishback, who founded a startup called Zarly. And Bo introduced him to one of his own investors, Ashton Kutcher. Ashton grew up in a small town in Iowa, not far from the small farm town where Jace grew up in Missouri. Do you think part of the appeal for Ashton was that he's a Midwesterner too and he liked to see some? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he has a unique perspective. He's seen like the the United States and, and communities from the same eyes that I saw, like this very small town, right? There's a town center and... And he gets community and he gets, you know, the need to come together and to build good projects like schools and parks and libraries. Uh And he's also um, exceptionally savvy as a business person and understands how 
industries operate with uh, middlemen. Kansas City has worked pretty hard to foster its startup community. One guy who's worked on it is Matthew Marcus. He's helped pull together a community of entrepreneurs in a neighborhood nicknamed Startup Village. Matthew showed me around, and I asked him whether it stings a little when a promising startup like Neighborly leaves town. Oh, gosh, no, not at all. Um, no, I mean, the thing is, is that, I mean, entrepreneurship, obviously very difficult path, professional path. Um, you know, sometimes a startup needs to go away from Kansas City or elsewhere to get to the next level. Um, I always wish them the best of luck, um, and I hope they stay in touch. I mean, it's almost like a family member going off to the next phase of their journey. And you say, hey, we'll, we'll see you again, I hope, and best of luck. He might end up saying that to Google Fiber. Last year, Alphabet stopped Fiber's expansion to more cities. Fiber laid off staff. The project's CEO left in October, and the new head is far more focused on wireless. You could say that Fiber is on hold. But the people in Kansas City who have it still have it. Now, other providers there offer Fiber Internet, too. Plenty of people believe it's perfectly possible to nurture startup communities almost anywhere in the country. One of the most famous advocates is a venture capitalist named Brad Feld. Brad lives in Boulder, Colorado, a small town with a lot of startups. He wrote a whole book on this idea, and he also started a boot camp for startups called Techstars. It operates in a lot of cities you wouldn't think of as big tech centers. That includes Kansas City. Right. Didn't Brad Feld even buy a house there? Yeah, he did. Right after Google Fiber came to town. I actually visited that house in January. Matthew Marcus, who also runs the Kansas City Startup Foundation, gave me a tour. Wow, this is a pit. Are you kidding me? Wow. I guess they don't have a vacuum. Brad lets promising young entrepreneurs live there for free. Let's just say they don't always have time for housekeeping. Oh, I can only imagine. So, Sarah, what do you think? Can Kansas City join uh, the ranks of San Francisco and Beijing as one of the world's top tech startup hubs? I've actually thought about it a lot, and I think that a lot more cities are going to become tech startup hubs. I think it's just going to get easier for places all over the world, and I think it has a lot to do with capital that I think will be easier to get. I think the fact Alibaba went to Kansas City and invested and didn't make the company leave town is huge. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think all these smaller cities have a little bit of an uphill battle. It's not just the availability of capital, but uh, the absence of, of mentors and other companies that uh, establish technology companies that can pave the way and throw off experienced founders. The engineers who, upon graduating, if they are great and qualified, they might go seek out a place like San Francisco. On the other hand, as we both know, the cost of living on the coast is getting out of control. And so maybe a place like Kansas City starts to be alluring in that way as a sort of economic alternative. Right. I think it's changing. It's just taking way, way longer than you'd think. And there are other problems there, too. Like they don't have a big university like Stanford that's just spinning off engineers. They have some, but they're farther away. Right. Well, let me ask you this question. Did Google overpromise with Google Fiber when it came to town? I think with Google... Everyone just thought, gigabit internet, that just sounds amazing. And the fact is, it seemed like people liked gigabit internet. It turned out, you know, people like getting on the internet a little faster. But for most startups, it really didn't make a big difference. 
It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.